0: Hello and welcome to for Cast, a weekly discussion of all things cinema. I'm your host Carson Tamar, and today I'm happy joined by Alina Falds, hello, and Paul Price. Hi. So today we're talking about three films everyone has seemingly been anticipating, two of which has been pushed back due to COVID, but finally found release, and then one that I think. Probably everyone has been anticipating since last February when we got the second edition. We're talking about St. Maude, Judas and the Black Messiah, and To All the Boys 3. I forget the full title. We'll get there. You know what? Actually, why don't we just start out with To All the Boys 3? Hey, Covey.
1: Hello from Korea. The best part of this vacation is spending time with my sisters. But pretty soon, we'll be back from spring break. And then I'm going to tackle you and smother you with kisses and give you gifts.
2: I'm sure.
1: I can't wait to see you. Feels like. It's hard to believe. I'm standing in a timeless dream. What all started with a letter, a hot tub, and a diner could turn into this.
0: Senior of high school takes center stage's Lara Jean returns from a family trip to Korea and considers her college plans with and without Peter. Alina, you wrote the review for the website. Why don't you start us off here?
1: Yeah, so this is the third and final movie in the To All the Boys trilogy. And as you may know, it's based off the book series by Jenny Han. Um, this one, even though it's the last movie, doesn't really have a lot riding on it. Like the only like central conflict is Lara Jean trying to figure out where she's going to go for like university because Peter her boyfriend um gets like a scholarship to Stanford for lacrosse because he's not smart enough to actually get into Stanford and she gets rejected from Stanford which I think is crazy because like she seems like a very smart girl so how the fuck did she get rejected from Stanford and Peter got in whack um so then they like make a whole plan about like, oh, she'll get into Berkeley and they'll just like see each other on weekends. But then they go on a class trip to New York City and she falls in love with New York City and she happened to have applied to NYU. And then she's like, oh my God, do I go to New York? Do I break up with Peter? Do I just go to Berkeley and settle? And it's like a whole thing about whether or not you should stay with your high school sweetheart. And yeah, it's been done a lot of times before, honestly. But it's still cute. What do you guys
2: think? I watched all 3 in the course of like 12 hours, 16 hours. And so they kind of all merge into one big glob of like sad teen. Um but it was interesting in the last one. Like there is some realism to it and then at the finale she's like well no, we're going to stay together. I'm like, you 100,000% or not? So this entire series was just like, okay, we've all had high school sweethearts that we'll never speak to again. So (laughs)
0: glad I spent, you know, six hours with you people. It doesn't take a genius if you've listened to this podcast to realize I don't like Netflix teen movies. I think they're all shit and that includes To All the Boys in the franchise. Um, Where at least these are movies compared to like The Kissing Booth, for example. Like these are competent films. Um, Rather boring, rather trivial drama. Just, you know, it's not really my thing. At least the first one I can kind of get through and kind of have fun with. The second one is pretty irredeemable. I would say it's one of the most boring films I've ever watched. Whenever I try to turn that film on, it like forces me to like lose my attention um but the third one wasn't really anticipating uh past the meme of it all and I was pleasantly surprised by this film um yes the drama is trivial yes we've been down this road before with countless other films I think even The Kissing Booth 2 has a pretty similar plot if I'm not mistaken um but there's an authenticity here that I really was kind of taken back by in all these tiny moments. Maybe it's because it was, it was a while ago, but it wasn't so long ago that I did the college admission process and the feeling of getting rejected and then going on Instagram and, you know, seeing everyone get accepted and feeling fucking horrible. Uh, You know, the relationship between Peter and his dad, there's quite a bit here that I like, I resonate with and I find like, there's a little bit of authenticity here. And one thing I do really appreciate is how this film tackles drama. Uh, there's plenty of plot lines of conflict here. Oh, you know, she didn't get into Stanford, but she sent the wrong text to Peter. Oh my God, you know, how is she gonna tell him? And instead of carrying that on for the entire two hour runtime, which granted let's be clear is a too long of a runtime. this film at least has this conversation between them and where it does play up a bit, you know, they do without going too far, they have that conversation, they deal with it, they move on. Then she thinks she wants to go to NYU instead of playing that up and overhyping it. They have that conversation. It's mature enough and they move on. There's a strange level of maturity here that even though this is, you know, at heart, a shitty teen movie, I think there's enough here to where I appreciated this film. Clearly, I would say the best to all the boys film probably the best netflix teen movie out there um you know it's nothing academy award worthy let's be very clear um i appreciated this one though i had a lot of fun with it and it it emotionally resonated with me much more than i thought it would
1: i think the thing i like about peter and lj is that even though it's like a teenage high school sweetheart relationship they are like have a very mature relationship and there are points when they have, like, conflict and, like, struggle with communication, but they always get to that part in the end, so even though they're, like, not particularly great movies, I think they're a really good example for, like, teenagers. Um, I never had a high school sweetheart, and I didn't really date in high school, because, like, every time, like, a boy asked me out, I was like, ew, um, because, like, I can't imagine dating somebody I've known since fourth grade, like, that's fucking disgusting to me, but, you know, good for Peter and Lara Jean, um, but, I don't know, if I was, like, happened to still be in high school while these movies came out and happened to have, like, a significant other, I don't know, I'd want to be like Peter and Lara Jean. It's cute.
0: Except the only I point think that- where I would say this is not a good example, never move to a, never go to a college because of a significant other. Horrible, <laughs> horrible choice. Um, my favorite part was the casual uh,
2: admittance by Kitty when she's like oh by the way I was trying to mess with your life again I was like oh this girl learned nothing in these movies she's gonna be insane when she's an adult
0: also hot take Kitty's the worst part of these films I fucking hate her she's so annoying yeah, yeah she
1: is super annoying she's the catalyst to everything that happens though but like did you have to that? annoying Kitty uh- <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Uh, I hate that joke that was so bad um I don't know it was just like I know she's like supposed to be like 12 and I think 12 is like one of the worst ages for like behavior and like annoyingness but like I feel like because I'm the older sister out of like me and my sister um if my little sister like did that shit to me or like something similar I'd be like fucking pissed and Lara Jean just like forgives her like that I'm like your sister is like fucking with your entire life and in the first movie, it's, like, not terrible because it's just, like, love letters and, like, your teenager, like, you can, it's not a huge deal to, like, have a crush on people. But, like, the fact that she didn't, in the third movie, she doesn't tell Lara Jean about, like, the NYU admission is ridiculous because that's when things actually matter and that's your future that you're fucking with. It's not just, like, telling your sister's crushes that she has a crush on them, you know?
2: yeah and I was really expecting a reckoning when that moment happened and she's like oh okay
0: <laughs> she just like goes to hit her and then like that's it cool after that <laughs> I will say I think the acting in this one's the best it's been still not great but like I think this is probably the best work Noah Centineo has ever put out not not great but like competent at least which coming from him is a lot of times
1: Peter Kavinsky is definitely Noah Centineo's best role I think it's his only good role And it really pisses me off that he has gotten into, like, a lot of movies. Like, he's been in Charlie's Angels. He's been in, like, countless shitty Netflix movies. And I don't know anything else that, like, Lana Condor has, like, been in since these. But she's the one who, like, carries this entire series. Like, she's the best part of all of these movies. And because Noah Centineo is, like, slightly good-looking and, like, young, all of these, like, teenage girls have, like, a crush on him. And it's, like, her just skyrocketed. And I'm like, stop his career doesn't deserve to skyrocket just because he has fluffy hair.
0: And good cheekbones.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying, like, Lana Condor deserves better. Like, seriously, what has she been in since these? I don't know.
2: Uh, I'm looking right now. Um, Nothing really, because everything came before these movies. Um, Yeah, she hasn't gotten anything new. She's in a show called Boo Bitch, which is TBA post-production.
0: Can't wait highly (laughs) anticipating no she is really good that that is a shame you know like it is great seeing Netflix like have this series where there's this girl like of color like on screen in this leading role but like you do wish that like the industry would go the next step and then like hire her for more roles because she is really good but well it is interesting
2: that just in general Netflix is kind of going back to the old studio system of like we have a couple stars and we're going to put them in everything. And you're going to love these people because I'm sure like he has a fan base, but I just remember like him just showing up in everything. It was like, Netflix was like, we're going to shove this guy down your throat. I know intimately of him. And this is the first time I've ever seen him in anything outside of, uh, the cameo and, um, Charlie's angels. It was interesting. Uh, I told Alina, I, I will admit that I, uh, Did not finish the second movie. Uh, (laughs) I tried. And then I was like, nope. And it's funny how I can literally go through halfway. Holland Taylor was talking about something in the movie. And I was like, I cannot care. And so I just clicked out. But um, it's interesting. Other than uh, Jen, her, like, ex-friend turned friend again. That was the only thing. Skipping the movie and going to the next one was like, oh, okay. Like, John Ambrose is not even mentioned again. <laughs> like
0: it's just yeah, no. they
2: completely excised the second movie.
0: <laughs> it's completely irrelevant. Also, did anyone feel like a weird sense of horror from this film, considering everything is like March twenty twenty one, like everyone's graduating high school, and like it's all just like I was a normal thinking about that twenty twenty one. It was yeah. so distracting and fucking like crazy.
1: <laughs> it's like oh, the pandemic doesn't exist in their world. Good for them. I wish I was them. <laughs>
2: i actually like rewound to go look at uh when she had her yearbook and i was like wait is this 2021
1: <laughs> yeah i'm like oh my god imagine going on a march break or spring break trip to new york city having a fucking time there's no mat not a mask in sight not a coronavirus in sight like oh my god i would fucking love that and like that really depressed me they went to korea like, and new york city like yeah, yeah that's yeah. really living it up
0: they got to be counting their blessings that they recorded this before the pandemic, because they're already aging way too quickly. Like when they are on the couch and they're like, "Oh, we have a curfew." It's like, what? Like you're an adult? No, they're still in high school. They're she's seventeen, apparently. Like if yeah. they had to wait a year or two, number one, you couldn't make this during a pandemic. Like this is so big. Like you, you couldn't do this during a pandemic. But if you waited till after, yikes! They would it would, just, it would be too much.
2: This was all, for the most part, that was all shot in Canada, though, right? There was no. They didn't actually go to South Korea because they only had one street that they walked back and forth on 300 times. But um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just looking at and it, Yeah, it did shoot in 2019, which is oh. surprising.
1: They must have shot it back to back. They did. They did. did. Booth two, yeah. Okay, yeah, two and three. So it's it just, like it. Kissi-
0: just like Kissing Booth two and three. Netflix knows yeah. what they're doing.
1: So I feel like that means in Kissing Booth 3, there's going to be no pandemic either. Oh, they're living it up over there in Netflix world.
2: <laughs> Wait, I, I love it. the idea of Kissing Booth 3 having to deal with the pandemic. That just being <laughs> the whole
0: lot. <laughs> well, I would love if one of these movies like got halfway through so like halfway it hits. And then they just have yeah. to like, deal with the pandemic. <laughs> just in incep- the rest of the movie is just a Zoom call. Yeah. <laughs> like as they're flying back from New York and this one like a black screen of text pops up and it says like <laughs> and then the pandemic. <laughs> and then they RG have online school and then it doesn't matter where they go. <laughs> oh god.
1: Another thing I really like about The Two All the Boys series is it's just like a really nice movie for just like general representation. Like Lara Jean and her family and her sisters at least not her dad are like Korean and they do like little Korean things they they have like the Korean yogurt and they do the Korean face mask and then they visit Seoul and like they're like dressed up in their traditional like Korean outfits and like it's never like made into like a big thing they just are and that's always something that I like to see because you know Lara Jean easily easily had been like a random white girl but she's not she's a random girl but she also happens to be korean i just i think that's really nice and oh my god at the beginning of the movie when she's like sending peter a postcard and the postcard says soulmates like soul korea that was so <laughs> freaking cute oh my god like i really like their relationship it's kind of dumb but it's just so cute <laughs>
0: it's cute unlike the kissing booth it's not like abusive like it's 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 good it's cute Um, I I agree with the representation and especially in the background there's tons of like gay couples like black gay couples that you don't normally see on screen like Netflix very confidently and nonchalantly which is not something studios normally do when they have diversity like just has diversity in this film which I which I appreciate
1: I don't know I feel like there's not really like much else to talk about with to all the post points three because literally the like main plot point is is she gonna go to NYU or not um uh, and there's like some side plots like kitty has a boyfriend that she meets in like korea and then she like becomes mad at him because apparently he doesn't like harry potter and like just let the man live harry potter's kind of overrated oh, when she <laughs> um, said
0: best literary achievement of our time i was like fuck off shut up
2: <laughs> well this
0: isn't a different
2: world remember it's completely different maybe it's not even the same harry potter <laughs>
1: maybe not and then there's like the whole thing about like their dad getting married to like their next door neighbor Trina I really like her she's a very good stepmom Trina like um because Lara Jean and like her sisters their mom like passed away from like some sort of illness I assume cancer um so like their white dad is just like a single dad and then he in the second movie I think it is he like meets Trina or I guess he already knew her but they like start up like a romantic thing to get married in this one that was really cute and every time like Lara Jean has like a boy problem or something Trina's like there for her which is something nice because it's always like awkward to talk to your dad about things like that um so it's nice that Trina became like a bit of a mother stand-in and she's not an evil stepmother she's a very nice person I don't know actually speak
2: that's it. Speaking of them, when it cut to the wedding, I had completely forgotten that they were having a wedding. And I was like, Wait, are we just jumping ahead to her and <laughs> Peter's wedding like in the future or right now? I was like, This is great. I'm so excited. Can
1: you like, imagine oh, if they got married like now? I had a, I had a no, feeling that when you had something. the
0: proposal, but he got down on this one knee and he's like, I have one more thing to ask you. I was like, Oh fuck, here I we go." I know, I thought he was gonna Oh, oh God, shit. I got so scared.
1: I thought Peter Kavinsky was going to have a really elaborate proposal.
0: Yeah, it was kind of shitty. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and, like, it's very understated, and I think that, like, suits Lara Jean more, but I think Peter Kavinsky would do something, like, obnoxiously over the top. They're an odd Josh couple. Would've,
2: Josh would have done something good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Justice for Josh. <laughs> Yeah, but would oh. Josh come outside the window with a tree hat blasting a boombox <laughs> celebrating that she got into Stanford? No. Oh, God. I do like how Josh and all the drama of the previous films are just, like, dead here. Just like, a eh.
1: Yeah, like, this could easily just be, like, a standalone movie. At least in, like, the second one, there's, like, some continuation from the first because – like there's no letters in this one other than her writing a letter, like love letters to Peter, but there's none of the like previous things. Like there's not enough conflict because they're literally the only thing is them trying to figure out where to go to college. There's like nothing else writing on that. And I don't understand how they feel like a movie.
2: I would would be interested to know how the books were originally written because it definitely feels like there was just one book in mind and then that book ended. And then they there were like, there
1: are three books, though.
2: Do we I know? Haven't... No, this... I mean,
0: like, was this like a Wattpad thing or was this like an actual book?
1: No, this is like an actual book. Okay. Yeah. Um, like um But I would just be a curious, like, or anything.
0: Yeah. No, I
2: just mean, like, in terms of it does feel like they're not a cohesive storyline. It's just like, yeah. and then this book, and then this, and then we're at the third, and we know how movies go. So there's three. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: The second one yeah. at least sounds cohesive. You know what they should have done in this one to make it like feel better is. They should have had, like, somebody who she... Lara Jean had Lara Jean had also written a letter to. Josh. Like, maybe going to NYU also. Josh. Josh is older than her, though, so, like, he's already... He's already
0: college. there. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be was, much like, more natural than a random girl bringing them to, like, a random-ass party.
1: Right? Like, that would be great. But there's a lot more... I mean, I'm not going to tell Jenny Han how to write her books, so, and, like, maybe she did it this way, but, like, I feel like having like a other character that she had written a letter to going to like Berkeley or NYU or something would have added more to the conflict and tied all these movies together better because it's to all the boys I loved before where the fuck are all the other boys
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think Paul said in one of his letterbox reviews it feels like tv or someone said that and it feels very like it just feels episodic at this point I I think that probably actually would have worked better as a series but you know I I will say go ahead
2: Oh, I was just going to say, it doesn't feel like there's any particular reason to stop. Like, Mm. I don't, uh, to me, I go, why isn't Netflix just like, uh, there's not any books left, but who cares? We'll just keep making these. Because if they're doing the numbers and they're cheap to make, you know, and they have Noah Centineo on contract and Lana, Lena, (laughs) Lana Lana Condor Condor. is not doing anything right now. Like- Well, you know, they already I used
0: the them. four pun, though. They already said forever, so you can't... Resolve. Yeah,
2: see?
0: <laughs> There's so <laughs> many... But see that's thing.
1: the thing, like... I would 100% watch a movie of them long distance in university. I absolutely would.
0: And you could so do that during yeah. the pandemic. Have it all be on Zoom, them video calling with each other. That'd be so easy. So, <laughs> so I like the Let idea us that us the pandemic to all the in Netflix, <laughs> get on this shit now. <laughs> Um, also also, justice for San Francisco Laura Jean doesn't even visit there and it's like oh I fucking love New York (laughs) like fuck San Francisco beautiful city I love San Francisco like I felt very like she was not uh, she's not smart when it comes to going to college is what I'm trying to say number one for a person number two give a chance to the other city like go visit at least you live in Portland it's close enough
2: oh yeah that's like well I thought it was so funny there's so many things about what she does is like you know she's not choosing based on the program she's choosing based on the city and it's like i went to school in savannah georgia it's not a place i ever wanted to go to but it had a good school and so it's like (laughs) it was just very funny that she was like well what city do i want to live in and i also struggled to understand what was so much better for her about nyu over berkeley that she would choose because berkeley's still a good school it's very like anti-Berkeley like for some It's literally just
1: yeah. location. I don't know where Berkeley is to be honest, but like her whole
2: it's thing. Same is area. Like... It's an hour away from. Uh, remember, they were going to meet in San Francisco. Right. Okay. Whatever. I don't know. So the San Francisco place, area. Obviously, I don't think alina knows where um, San
0: Francisco is either. To be it's fair, it's
1: like middle California, isn't it? <laughs>
0: uh, like three quarters. Middle off. high.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm getting close enough. Um like it's, it's literally just like oh she falls in love with New York City so like why go here and then her whole thing about like oh like I'm gonna go to English Lit and they're gonna bring in like real-life authors and da 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 I'm pretty sure a lot of like English programs bring in real-life authors like I'm whole- in an English
0: program right now not in NYU in a much shittier college and we do that also so yeah I don't really get what she was going with <laughs> Also, Cinematic Parallels, you go ahead and like this tweet because it will be out by the time this is out. Uh, cinematic Parallels to them riding the uh, train thing in Subway with a couch and a broken hearts gallery. Uh, same yeah. exact scene. It was great. Yeah. In what? The broken uh,
1: hearts gallery. Have you seen that?
0: No.
2: I, I
1: fucking love that movie. It's really it has, good. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Like this one's like, you know how I always tell you like this is good and then it's not actually good? broken hearts gallery is actually good
0: (laughs) well i'm not signing i'm not signing up on that paul if you don't like it don't blame me it's good i just love the preface
2: you know how i say a movie's good and it's always bad (laughs) this one actually (laughs) okay
1: anything with jld and beswanathan i recommend because i fucking love her and she is in broken hearts gallery
2: oh yeah that was at the uh drive-in for a while i never saw it
1: it's, it's just really funny. I saw it in an empty theater with my best friend and it's just so fucking funny.
0: Shout out to everyone who chose that one over Tenet. You definitely made a right, the right choice there. Oh my yeah. God.
1: <laughs> I saw Broken Hearts Gallery before I saw Tenet. And then when I saw Tenet, I was like, I should have just seen Broken Hearts Gallery again.
2: I, um, <laughs> Seeing Tenant in the drive-in was an experience because the sound is so bad already in the drive-in. It was like my friend and I were just sitting there looking at each other, like, I have no clue what's happening right now. Like, you could tell me any plot. And I'd be like, sure.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I saw it in IMAX. So I was like, this was a mistake. I can't hear a fucking thing. I, oh, I
0: watched it at home. I waited until December and I. Uh, it's, well, um... yeah. It,
1: <laughs> the right choice. Do you have subtitles? Yes, I did. Thank God. and Because everyone was like,
0: oh, you'll appreciate the film if you have subtitles. <laughs> fuck Tenet. What a
2: fucking <laughs> I love it's stupid. It's I, I the how it movie
0: keeps- ever. Every
2: time uh, the like, best of the year lists show up, all the people on Twitter underneath are like, but what about Tenet? And I'm like, this is not...
0: <laughs> like, with love and peace to everyone who does like it, fuck Tenet. It's so <laughs> bad. There's no plot, no character, no reason. It's like, if you want the most basic, like, oh, I'm a smart movie, go with Tenet.
2: That's also how I felt about To All the Boys, I Love Three. <laughs> just
0: like,
2: Which claims
0: to be a smart... This claims yeah. to be Christopher Nolan levels of smart. <laughs> oh,
2: anyway,
0: God.
1: Um, moral of the story is, don't choose post-secondary based on your high school sweetheart. You might stay together, you might break up. Is it really worth <laughs> it? Do you know how much university costs? 17-year-old girls, this is for you. Don't, don't face... <laughs> Your expensive ass university tuition on some idiot lacrosse boy. That's the, that's like the all you need to know about this movie.
0: Question of the week: How long until they break up, or do you think they make it through? Uh, I'm going to say going into second year, the summer after the first year. See, no,
2: I don't even. I don't even think it makes it to winter break, because the thing is, she went to a summer camp at an old folks' home or whatever was going on in the second movie and immediately was like wait maybe I love this guy (laughs) like just (laughs) she has she doesn't have they don't have like this strong I mean this is a horrible illusion but like I watched the Twilight movies recently for the first time and I do not feel that they like (laughs) the one thing about those movies is I'm like these two do love each other like, there is no chance that she's gonna dump him ever. Like, even when they're, you know, she's hanging out with other guys. I'm like, nah, she's stuck with Edward. And then you go to these, and it's like, she she maybe likes this guy. She maybe likes Peter. <laughs> like, everything she does in all three movies is kind of, like, pushing him away. It's like, eh, you're, you're there. Which is, like, a good, strong relationship. Except, they're now going to <laughs> colleges on different coasts. Like, I yeah. don't see a scenario where it's like okay they're gonna stick it through like cool he gave her a box of or she gave him a box of flowers and letters and things with like but he'll dump that in a week.
1: <laughs> I think they're gonna make it to it's gonna be a turkey dump situation because Peter is gonna be like pining for her in Stanford or whatever the yeah Stanford and then Lara Jean's gonna be like buzzing around New York City she's gonna meet somebody during like orientation week and she's gonna be like, Oh, I really like this guy that goes to NYU. He's in like English also, he's such a deep soul, he's so smart. And then she's gonna leave Jock Peter behind. They're gonna yeah. break up on Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Cause I think Laura she would tell she would tell him, but then they would break up because Peter cheated on her, also. Like Peter's also going to cheat on her, he just won't tell her
2: <laughs> until
0: she tells him about her cheating on him. Yeah,
1: I can see that happening for sure.
0: But I will enjoy when he's like married
2: someone else, and she's like, "I'm gonna write another letter just for the fun of it." Oh yeah, (laughs) a late stage like wait this it's gonna do a little drama.
0: It's gonna be like the end of Calling by Your Name, but like in ten years, like it's gonna continue. Yeah, absolutely. And then like when they're forty, they're gonna get back together, and it's gonna be really Netflix. We're we're lining you up uh, with like. 10 sequel ideas here yeah
2: Go we're ahead. just following the, uh before trilogy now yeah
1: <laughs> you just ripped off the before trilogy. i really want to
2: see them yes. old and sad that's where <laughs> <laughs> oh god
0: uh and leave your thoughts in the com- in in twitter <laughs> comment section i don't know what we have just let us know when you think these two lovebirds are going to break up uh, let's move on now To a film uh, Less, ho- well, more horrifying uh, Let's talk about A24's Saint Maud Dear God Your presence graces the air And soon Everyone will see you. Hi, are you Maud? Yes, hi It takes nothing special To mop up after the dying You're prettier than the last one But to save a soul that's quite something. Bless Amanda's body and bless her mind, which is shrouded in darkness. Uh, having recently found God, young nurse Maude arrives at a plush home to care for Amanda, a dancer left frail from a chronic illness. When a chance encounter with a former colleague throws up hints of a dark past, it becomes clear there is more to sweet Maud than meets the eye. Paul, I didn't tell you you were doing this beforehand. Why don't you start us off with St. Maude? It's interesting to
2: me at this point with the A24 horror movies, Um, if I did not know this wasn't like an Ari Aster movie, I would have like, and you told me it was, I would have believed you. And they're starting to become this thing where it's like, I know more the studio and what they're going to be than any particular stylistic quality of the director. Um, like I enjoyed it for what it was. It's, but nothing surprised me. It never gets, uh, like dark enough to where I'm, you know, truly horrified, or it's has some commentary on like, religious fundamentalism. But um, I never feel it gets like blasphemous enough to where I'm like, oh, you know, clutching my pearls. I feel like the exorcist back, you know, years and years ago, has done a lot of this stuff and better. So like, as a B movie horror flick, like I enjoyed it, but I feel like it's trying to be this uh, very prestige film, which I don't think it is.
0: Yeah, I agree with most of your points. I think this is very much so a victim of circumstance. I know this was gonna come out March of last year, which granted actually probably best it didn't because I was right after The Lodge. But starting with The Lodge, and we've seen a lot recently, this like horror, um, like religious horror, religious terror genre has just taken off so much when we see these films so much anymore. That it's really hard for a film like this to break out especially from home i think if i saw this in a theater it would probably do a lot better at sucking me in and really investing me on the horror and on the plot turns um and other than a pretty bold decision in the third act which i i enjoy um, I agree This everything in this movie has been done before. Not that this film is bad. I like the performances. Um, I like the cinematography. I you know I like what this film is doing, but it's just been done before. So it just doesn't leave an impact. Maybe if I saw this in you know November 2019, when I was going to see it at AFI, I was like, maybe without seeing The Lodge or without seeing a lot of these films that I've seen in the past year that are very similar, maybe it would stand out more. Um, but as is, it's just, you know, it's a perfectly fine horror film, perfectly fine addition to the genre, nothing offensive here, um, but nothing to make it stand out either.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I thought, I don't really like horror because I'm a huge chicken, and I thought this was going to scare me, especially because Christianity kind of freaks me out. Um, sorry, Christians, I'm going to offend you today. Um, but like, I wasn't scared at all. And like, the reason I thought it would be is, You know, I grew up, like, Muslim, and my family is Muslim, and, like, in Canada, you don't really have, like, big grand mosques, so, like, whenever I went to the mosque, it was, like, in this, like, garage next to, in, like, auto shop, so it was never, like, like, huge and, like, godly, but one of my things, one of the things my grandma always used to say is, like, God is everywhere, so my mom and I, whenever we would go traveling, we'd visit, like, churches and stuff. And churches scare the shit out of me, especially as like a kid because they're just huge and ominous and there's dark corners and all this shit. And I'm like, I know this is supposed to be like nice, but they freak me out. So like, I always find Christianity to be like a very like big, scary and ominous thing because that's how like, I kind of like grew up thinking about it. Because to me, Islam is like just very like small and calm and like Christianity is like not purely based on like the places of worship I've been to. And St. Maude just like, doesn't really capitalize on that Christianity is supposed to be like damnation and scariness and hell and all these things like it's a very like scary religion it's supposed to like bring the fear of God into you and I didn't feel that in this movie like at all there's like nothing riding on it really scary about it at all and it's supposed to be a psychological religious horror thing I didn't feel any of that
2: Yeah, it does feel more like a drama with horror elements, which going back to the A24 thing is kind of how I feel about all their movies. Um, And it's also the kind of basic premise. It is interesting though, mentioning The Lodge, which I had completely forgotten about, Carson. Um, I hated The Lodge and did not hate this. So like (laughs) the comparison, I was like, oh yeah, I guess I liked this more than I thought because The Lodge, the religious aspects were so just like, And both of these movies, I kind of feel this way too, is like, I went to like a Christian, you know, uh, private school when I was a kid. Like I'm entrenched, I know these people. And both of them feel like they're grasping instead of like really getting, even to Alina's point, um, from a different perspective, is like, (laughs) it is like supposed to be very scary. And neither neither of these really got it, but especially, um, I did appreciate that it didn't try as much. And that the Lodge was like, here, we're going to explain like what this is like. And it's like, uh, St. Maud is more using the stereotype of the
0: uber-religious person. Same, like, I grew up very religious. My first job ever was at a church, even though I was not at all religious then, uh, at to be very clear, not at all religious right now. Um, so I also have that tie to humanity. I think The Lodge just worked for me personally because I had a panic attack during the movie because I thought someone was going to shoot us up and then like that tied in with the horror really worked for me and I just like had a full-on panic attack and I was like, well, that movie worked. Um, I would be curious to revisit The Lodge, but I, I appreciate The Lodge. I was just going to say much more than this film. <laughs> oh, That's so funny. See, I mean
2: anything with a dog really throws me out, first of all. But I also preferred this performance overall. She, I think, works well. Um, I don't love the second act of this movie at all. When it just, I feel like every plot line from the first act, it never even falls through really um, with like Carol or anything like that. The first act is like very strong. And then I enjoyed parts of the third act. But the second act, I think, just kind of falls apart where it kind of just explores things. It's really interesting, actually. It feels a little bit um, almost uh, comparable to Promising Young Woman, almost, in how the act structure is. Um, just noticing that, like, you know, the second act is dropping everything of the first and going to a different plot line and then bringing it all back. But um, that worked for me in that movie, this one. Um, I was just kind of bored because I knew that she <laughs> was going to, like come back to her over-religious zealot at some point. So it was just like waiting on the clock as she's like, you know, hooking up with all these random guys. Um, Though, I will say that was the only jump scare that really got me was the uh, chest compression scene, which I just really have a thing with chest bones. I don't like like that. And as soon as that happened, I was like, oh God.
1: (laughs) I agree with your point about how the second act it's just like not up to par with the rest of the movie because I just watched this this morning and even though I just watched it like four hours ago I don't really find any of it memorable but as I was watching it I was into like the first little bits and how she's like Maude is taking care of like Amanda and how she's like um an overly religious person and all these things and then I could not tell you what happened in the second act and then like it comes back and like oh she's overly religious again. Okay? Like it doesn't feel like anything happens. Like she loses herself and then she comes back and that's like it. You know?
0: I will say I appreciate cuz there's this huge trip in horror that I genuinely hate. Um, where it tries to be as ambiguous as possible. And it's like, oh, something's moving in the shadows and it's very quiet and like, is it real? Is it not? I do like, without giving spoilers away, like this film makes a choice, it sticks with it. It like commits to something compared to all that horror that tries to be so smart, but we're not going to tell you is the ghost real? Is, is the devil real? Is the demon real, you know, what is happening? I appreciate that this film didn't try to be as ambiguous it makes a choice, so I found that part of the end refreshing, though I agree it is lesser I think overall than the first half.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I do like, and without spoilers, the ending for me did work. I thought it was, (laughs) although it's more funny than horror, which if the movie had had comedic elements throughout, um, I think would have been a little bit stronger, um, because I just laughed, (laughs) which I know I wasn't supposed to,
0: but... (laughs) I also I also laughed to be clear (laughs) like the initial without like the initial like quote-unquote jump scare of it I was laughing very hard at it yeah (laughs) exactly
1: I really didn't like the very ending and like it works in with like the rest of the movie but just like watching that gross I that's what makes me feel just uh
2: I have to say this continues my favorite trope in horror movies, where someone sets himself on fire stoically and immediately screams. It is so funny to me every time it it happened in Eight for Silver too. Yep. Every time it happens, I'm like, yes, this is my favorite thing because it's like so noble, and it's like no, it's massive amounts of pain. You immediately scream. Um. But yeah, when I knew it was coming, I was like, "Yes, this is gonna be so good." <laughs>
0: I'm learning a lot about Paul today. yourself <laughs> on fire, yeah, burn, <laughs>
2: scream. No, it's just it's this thing of just being so noble, and you're like, okay, like I get it, I get it, but immediately, it's just this immediate scream of like insane amounts of just like terror. Yeah, um, like
1: that's literally one of the worst ways to die
2: oh no it is by far <laughs> yeah it's uh they did it in the assassin's creed game too it's been happening a lot in like films and things recently and every time i'm like this is so good
0: burning <laughs> alive just is it's
2: like there's no way for them to like have them die stoically so they have to do it this one it was purposeful but the other <laughs> like everything else has just been like Okay, well, we have to have them, you know, yeah. actually react to the fire, and so it's always just, you know,
0: did the he scream in hereditary fire. when he did the fire thing? I don't. He remember. got lit on fire. I, I don't remember.
2: I have watched mm. clips of that. I've never sat all the way through it. I
0: don't. Well, spoiler alert, someone gets (sighs) lit on fire and you can buy that moment on a t-shirt for Clapper that we have. It's like a cartoon guy on fire and it's Uh, (laughs) pretty horrible, but you know, it's pretty great actually. So
2: all of those movies, specifically the Aerie Aster, I find very like gross. (laughs) Yeah. And um, it almost pushes into that saw quality where I'm like, I mean, fine. I'm not scared. I'm just grossed out.
1: Yeah. yeah that's how I felt about St. Maud. like see there's that like right, the nails one in the point when she's like picking at like a wound on her hand and I don't remember how she got it but I was like that's fucking disgusting ma'am. please like
2: I'm um, so die. glad I didn't see that um one of when I was a kid I went and saw um black swan mm-hmm. and when she picks at her nail I passed out I was gone. And I woke up like 30 minutes later and I was like, oh.
0: I wish I Jacob was here so you, the film. I wish Jakob was here so you could trigger him by saying as a child you saw Black Swan. <laughs> Why?
1: Because he's old. He's old. I always make like, fun of him for being old. And I know he's, he's like- listening
0: to this. You're old, Jakob.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be like, I'm not even 40. <laughs> not even
0: 40.
2: <laughs> yeah, there was... It was so funny. There was this one theater where I'd go see a bunch of movies and almost every time I had a horrible experience, Um, even though it was like the art theater in Dallas, Texas, but um, that and um, I went and saw 127 Hours uh, on on Thanksgiving. Oh, no. Right after dinner, I went and saw 127 Hours. I was like, this was the dumbest thing I've ever done.
1: Did you puke?
2: (laughs) I mean, yes. (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) I ran streaming. the amount of times that movies have made me sick is so embarrassing because I like, watch horror all the time. But like sometimes a movie will just hit me and I'm like, "Mm, nope." <laughs> Ironically,
0: uh, like I don't watch horror cuz I get like I'm I'm a I'm a bitch. I can't do horror or jump scares like, uh, "Nope."
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always thought I couldn't because like i had seen like some horror movies like as a child. That like my older cousins like made me watch and was like, "No." And now whenever I like watch horror and it's usually for like the podcast or like, because everyone else is talking about, it, I'm like, okay, I'll watch this fucking movie. Like I force myself to sit through hereditary, I force myself to sit through this. And I was like, these aren't as scary as people like make them yeah. out to be. Well,
0: these, I these are like find- horror films, like conjuring is like where it's like, yeah. I, the, I get, I can't do that. See, those yeah, I never movies, finished
1: I- the first Conjuring the second one scares the shit out of me purely because of the nun and like I still think of that face like I feel like with horror it's like certain faces that scare the shit out of me like gore it's like fine but like ghosts can't do it.
0: It's, it's the OG <laughs> Chucky design for me because my big sister, shout out to you thank you for this, would force me when I was way too young to watch horror movies even though I hate it and I'd be crying and she'd be like no, you have to watch this so I was just <laughs> like emotionally traumatized by Chucky but like that's fine
2: going back to St. Maud and after talking about like horror, this is more just like a violent drama like mm-hmm. you know um, it kind of similar to like the Black Swan kind of thing where it's like is it horror really um yeah i mean <laughs> i'll struggle to remember this movie in three months um but people are seeing something in it that i uh, we apparently are not because <laughs> what like uh the baftas gave it as many nominations as uh the nomad land something uh recently and it was like and saint
0: maude <laughs> yakub yeah, full five stars Really. (laughs) Yeah. Huh. I mean, I don't don't know. know. People see a lot in a lot anymore at this point. So Yeah,
1: Yeah, I don't know. This I don't know if it's just because like I'm not Christian or something, but like this one just did not speak to me at all. And like I don't understand what happens. And like sorry, this is kind of spoilers, but like that bit at the end when like um Amanda who I was convinced was Meryl Streep just based on like photos and then I started watching the movie and I was like okay this is not Meryl Streep but like she kind of they like, look very similar at least oh, in like a I
2: love the idea that Meryl Streep would just like be a secondary lesbian yeah that's why yeah, so
1: I was like I thought Both it was her choice. at first and then like when I actually started watching the movie like okay when she kind of becomes like a demon or whatever and like Mod stabs her I was like so sh- was she like the devil this whole time was she like tempting Mod to like leave God or something? Now she's like on her way back. Like I don't understand what happens in this fucking movie.
0: Is this movie making the claim that gay people are demons? Because it never really, it never really says that. That's not the case. <laughs> well,
1: because like uh. the only like thing that like Mod kind of judges Amanda for is like fucking Carol or whatever. And I'm like, she's. Dying. She's not a bad person. Like I don't understand why you're trying to save her soul. Like she's not a bad, I, or, I think she's an atheist. but Like calm down.
0: I think the point isn't that she's dying, so it's okay that she's fucking care. I think like that's just normally okay. I know.
1: No, 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 no. Like I'm saying, the only thing she does is
0: Alina says gay people are only okay if you're dying.
1: No, 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 no. no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm. I was saying that like I don't understand They're like why okay. Mod hates her so much. Um, and, like, that's the only thing she does, but then I remembered she's also an atheist, um, apparently, so I guess that's why Mod doesn't like her and, like, wants to save her soul or whatever, but, like, the whole, like, lesbian thing, I think, was unnecessary and pushes it, like, a bit into uncomfortable uh, territory.
2: I, I just thought it was so funny that dinner party was so, <laughs> like, not to agree with the psychopath, but, like, there was no reason for Amanda to have done it like she did. <laughs> I'm, like, sitting there and, I'm like, I mean, Mod shouldn't have slapped her, but, like, it's a weird, uh, character choice because it does feel like, um, I didn't like Amanda at that point. Like, I mean, I'm not glad she, you know, got stabbed to death with scissors, but I'm not upset as much as
0: I would have been otherwise.
1: That's the other thing. It's like, I don't really, like, feel anything for either of these characters.
0: Yeah, like, and- they're very much so just playing into like what they need to be. One's like an atheist who's gay. One is, you know, mod, a religious fanatic. Like, there's nothing much. There's not really a lot to them. Yeah.
2: Although I will say something that I love about this movie, it's eighty four minutes long. Yeah. That is fantastic. And we like, love a short
1: all, movie. <laughs> the
0: stuff we're At this about, point, we really do. <laughs> I watched one movie last night. It was forty five minutes, and I was like, "Oh, fucking bless, hallelujah!" Yeah, it's like.
2: Well, it's so funny because it's, like, what we're talking about, we're, like, nitpicking a little bit, but it got a movie done in, uh, you know, in uh, 84 minutes compared to, like, there is a version of this movie that is easily possible that's, like, two and a half
0: hours To All the Boys 3 is two hours long, so, So like, (laughs) yeah, there we go.
2: You could watch all of St. Maude in the middle of her deciding what college <laughs> you
0: could get you get through like this mo- like one and a half of these movies in the time it takes you to watch one to all the boys three. Oh,
2: God. No, the kissing yeah. with two
0: is like two hours, 20 minutes. So you couldn't oh get God. through that. <laughs> But yeah,
2: like that is something that I think horrors need to start working out. There's no reason to be as long as they're, they are um, in that once you get the point across like you know it's way more impactful to go in go out um like one of my friends um was asking if I recommended it and I was like well it's 84 minutes he's like I don't care what your recommendation is I'm watching it I was like (laughs) I can do that um you know instead of like most movies where you're just pulling teeth to convince someone to watch some three-hour film that oh yeah well the ending's really good
1: so like this whole movie Saint Maude is about religious fanaticism and like mod is supposed to be a huge like religious fanatic and that's supposed to be scary and normally that is something that scares me but like I didn't really feel that at all because the only like things she like does at least I feel like I lost like myself a lot in this movie so I might be wrong but like all she does is just like sit and like praise with Amanda and like that's the only thing she really does to like try and convert her or whatever and I'm just like
0: but Come she on. also like physically abuses herself <laughs> which is like yeah cranky. but like
1: i'm talking about like specifically the relationship between her and amanda who sure. is, she is trying to convert so i remember in grade two i like happened to mention to because i grew up in a very white ass christian school and i happened to mention to like one of my second grade friends like oh yeah like i'm muslim my family's muslim and the next day he brought me a whole bunch of like christian picture books and was trying to convert me and he was like fucking seven like that's psychotic I feel like that's this is like on a higher level than like Maude was like all she was doing was fucking praying with Amanda and like Jehovah's Witnesses coming to your door they always scared the shit out of me I'd pretend I wasn't home because I always happened to come when like my parents weren't there and if I happened to answer the door they'd be like do you have a bible and I'd be like no leave me alone man and I'm like so I've experienced a lot of like psycho Christians kind of convert me and like all Maude did specifically with Amanda is just kind of like sit and pray with her and I'm like okay I can tolerate that you know what I mean like I feel like there wasn't, like, enough to make it, like, religious fanaticism.
2: Well, even the, uh, the stuff that she does, and I'm kind of going to kill my own point from earlier, but I think that the fact that none of it's really shown that often um, kind of hurts how terrifying the stuff is, but if it was shown, I wouldn't have liked it. Like, I enjoy that she steps in the shoes and you just hear some sound effects and it's scary in your mind, but we're so used to seeing it that it feels calm. Like, it doesn't feel like, oh my God, there's, you know, they're sticking out through her entire hand, foot probably and, you know, all these things that she does to herself. Um, I also think that there wasn't enough of that, but at the same time, I don't want it. It's a very weird thing to have to figure out with this movie because- <laughs> I think that it chooses to, uh, you know, be a movie that's like, oh, I'm grossed out viscerally by all this. But then none of it actually, like, gets that far. But I also don't want that. So it's kind of a catch-22, I guess, which isn't, I was about to say, isn't her fault. But it is because she wrote the movie. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
1: I agree. Because I don't know what I would do to, like, make this movie like more like because i'm complaining about a lot of things and i don't know how i would fix the things i'm complaining about
2: that's exactly how (laughs) i feel it's just like i'm like yeah there's things i didn't like but also the the fixes would make it worse (laughs) so
0: maybe just leave it as a as a nice b movie (laughs) this is a directorial debut right i
1: have no idea yes um, I mean, at
0: least that's part, like, I think it's well directed. I would be excited for her to like, I'm excited to see what she does next. Cause I think she has real talent. And I think St. Maude's like a fine showcase of it. And I think she could be a really interesting voice if she has, you know, yeah, interesting. Stories well, and
2: like she it. has the greatest name of anyone, Rose Glass. It's, it's just like fantastic.
0: <laughs> and before we go any further, let's hear a word about the sponsor for today's episode. Okay, and finally, let's move on to a film. I know film Twitter and just people in general have been really excited for. It was supposed to be released earlier in the summer, been pushed back until now. Streaming on HBO Max, our favorite streaming uh, service. We have Judas in the Black Messiah.
2: Deputy Chairman Fred Hampton of the Illinois Black Panther Party.
1: You're looking at 18 months for the stolen car. Five years for impersonating a federal officer. Or you can go home. The Black Panthers are forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and
2: sisters of every color.
0: Judas and Black Messiah is the story of Fred Hampton, deputy chairman of the National Black Panther Party, who was assassinated in 1969 by a Cook County tactical unit on the orders of the FBI and Chicago Police Department. Um, I will start us off here. Uh, I mean, why not? Uh, I think this film is pretty good. Uh, This is one of those award season contenders this year that is few and far between that I actually really do like. Um, I I don't think it's perfect, not an A-plus by any means. But I think the performances by both like Keith Stainfield and Daniel Kaluuya are really fantastic. I mean, these are two of my favorite working actors. So naturally, I think they're really good. Um, I found this to be an engaging story. As someone who didn't know the history in this story, I knew that, you know, the basic like plot points, but didn't really know how everything came to be. I think this is a engaging and captivating story of betrayal, friendship, of revolution, of people playing very interesting roles in revolution and how some people can be working against the cause, but then also it gets into this weird moral argument about like, hey, at least you were involved. Um, I think this is a very captivating film. And then at the very end, there's, I'm not, you know, not to get into spoilers, even though, you know, it's real life. Um, there are some things, because this does the thing where before the credits, it has a bunch of text to it. There's stuff in there that like genuinely shocked me and really like left the movie on a high note. Um, but I, I really do enjoy this one. Just keep my thoughts brief as of now. What did you guys think of this one?
1: I really enjoyed it too. And like I'm Canadian. So I the Black Panther story is not anything I know like a lot about. The only things I've like heard about it prior were just like stuff my like dad happened to tell me because he um, for some reason is very into, I think it's because he really likes Muhammad Ali actually. He's very into like um, black power movements and I think it's because he was born in like the 60s so it, it's like not really his era but the era like right before him. So I knew like very basically about like what the Black Panther Party was and I find based on like what I've heard at least in the United States you're taught in like school that they're like a terrorist group and all these things but I like knew about like all the good stuff that they had done for the communities like building like making like free lunch programs and like they're basically like only working to like give back to their communities um so i don't know i think it's a very important story to be told purely based on like the i don't know i i feel like with the black panther movement history is very whitewashed and i think this movie is important because it's like attempting to correct these incorrect notions that people think about the black panther party so it's an important movie for that reason um I think as a whole it's like nothing really stands out about it like it is to your very basic like biopic but it's a story that's worth being told
2: yeah I'm I'm the same with you on that um like I think there's a difference between like a powerful story and a powerful film um I felt like this was a pretty like bog standard uh biopic um but with a really fascinating story, but nothing that like caught my attention in terms of the filmmaking. Um, But actually my, the part that really bothered me was uh, talking about the end credit uh, sequence. Everyone in this was teenagers (laughs) and they cast, you know, late twenties, early thirties actors. And I think it really hurt some of the things that were going on because you're watching it and you're like, okay, these are men, this is happening. These are kids <laughs> like, and to choose older actors, I think really takes away from, you know, the impactful nature of what they were doing and also what the government does back. Um, because there were scenes that like, you know, uh, they're discussing stuff and you're like, okay, well, a man could have this conversation, but a 19 year old, um, I don't think uh, especially the stuff with the informant aspects. A 19-year-old <laughs> dealing with, you know, being a government informant is wild. But choosing uh, Lakeith, who I think is a good actor, um, but doesn't really get as much of a showcase as I was expecting. I was really expecting like a best actor, like, you know, late stage front runner, and he just doesn't get the scenes that I was hoping for. But um, I just think casting him was a, a weird choice, um, and it felt like more, oh, we need star power than, um, choosing the correct actors, I guess.
1: I fully agree with you on that. Like, it feels like in this case that the stakes are lowered because they're so young. Um, or like the actual characters in real life are so young, like Fred Hampton, Bobby Seal, all these like Black Panther party people they're in they're they're teenagers and they're in their 20s and I feel like by casting like Daniel Kaluuya and Keith Sanfield you don't have like the stakes aren't the same because it's one thing to see um older men do this and endure this but in real life like they're babies when you're like 20 you're still a baby. Like I'm 23 and I still feel like a baby. Like, I can't imagine going through what these like young men went through. And I don't know, it would have been nice to see some fresh new black actors in these roles. Cause I think this is a movie where if you had like newcomers, it could really like elevate them to the next level. And if that doesn't happen because they and and like Heath, they're like, Men (laughs) no, like they're established actors is the one I was going for. Yeah, but also men for sure.
0: Yeah. I I think it's a double-edged sword though, because where I agree, like concept conceptually, seeing teenagers like play these roles would create a whole new dynamic and really like elevate the material. But also, this is a these are two very demanding roles. From the moral complexity of Keith like, Stanfield's character to just the sheer power of Daniel Kaluuya, you know his ability to control a room. I don't know if you can find teenager actors. and I'm not saying you can't. You know, I'm not casting in L.A. But like, I don't. From the average teenage performance I see, I don't know if you can find actors like of teenage that who are teenagers who could complete these roles. So I guess it's some, like conundrum, do you have weaker performances, but you get the emotions of them just being teenagers and the power that holds, or do you get better performances, but you lose that by casting, you know, grown-ass men? It's a, there's no, I don't think, either right or wrong answer there. But I, I do think well, it would suffer if it was teenagers in some ways, but it would also be elevated, to be fair.
2: Um, I mean, my counterpoint to that would be when they see yes. us. Like- yeah? that's true those are all teenagers and they're fantastic performances um i also think that you've got to think in terms of like what their careers are they have been playing adults we know kaluya as an adult i know him as a teenager from skins back when i was in high school like i have watched this man grow up and then to do at the end like oh actually he was 21 feels it just it's a real like it really bummed me out because i was like oh i would have seen the film completely differently yeah because there were like you know uh his talk talks about like you know uh dying for the cause and everything it's like okay he's a man he's doing this if he's 20 that's a completely different like that's someone who's like i am a you know exactly what uh alina said a baby being like, you know what? This is so important to me. I'll die for this. Um, And I would be interested about what the backroom talks were on this. Um, I'm sure this was like calculated for awards, which is also where I kind of like uh, struggled with this movie a little bit too, is I felt like it was calculated to uh, be the least controversial version of a controversial subject, um, to where you know, are we learning the full story or are we getting the sanitized version because you know Kaluya wants a nomination or something like? <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and I think if you make those teenagers, if you if you cast teenagers, then it becomes a much like more, like, difficult take on police, like, it becomes much more difficult to accept, which, you know, yeah. well, especially doesn't uh, follow.
2: Especially the scene where um the cops killed and then the mother's uh, discussion after, uh, um when she's saying, like, you know, he was my baby and stuff like that, I'm like, well, he's a man. And then you're like, oh, I went and looked it up after. I was like, oh, he was 22. No, she's, like, actually right. He was a child.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, What I was gonna say about like the casting and if they had cast like young black men, I don't think the movie would suffer from like inexperience purely because of the subject matter. Because the Black Panther Party still like kind of exists, but like not to this extent, obviously. But since the Black Panthers and like to now, not very much has changed for black people in America. They're still being like persecuted and killed by the police and I think even if like a young black actor was like cast in this role over like Lakeith or Daniel Kaluuya it wouldn't suffer because they see the exact same thing every day in the news you see the exact same thing in like your communities like things haven't changed so I don't think like young inexperienced would suffer from that because they're experiencing the same things that they experienced during that time
0: i agree as far as emotional like vulnerability and understanding of the emotion but like it does take some confidence as an actor to go out there and give the performance daniel kaluuya gives like i it it is undeniably like i think like you have to have confidence and i just think i tend to think that you know young actors lack that confidence but that shout out to um those who are fuck what's that the netflix um who see us what, when, when they see us yes sorry it's a fantastic miniseries go check it out um th- like that's a great shout out because those actors are genuinely phenomenal and you know the kid actually from small acts who did education is also great you know actually yeah now that i'm really thinking about it, there's a ton of really good young talent so fuck me i guess i'm wrong
2: well <laughs> and noah centineo this really <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very true, very true.
2: Yeah, and actually, uh, continuing on the casting, but switching, I don't like Jesse Plemons. I want to. Um, I feel like he read articles that said he's the next Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he started to <laughs> just take on this weird, like, mimicry of it. Um, like, I watch him, and I'm like, it feels like, oh, this would have been Philip Seymour Hoffman's role back in the 90s. And it's like, um, he acts like that. Um, I really just need to see, uh, it's like there's Twitter memes right now about when you see him show up, you know he's going to be a quietly evil guy. And I'm like, yeah, you do. Like, (laughs) I know he's going to be the bad guy, Um, which I felt like um, was another issue. was like, I never trusted him which I think was really important mm. for the final act um, is that you had to fully believe him. And I, it, the whole time I was like, no, he's a hundred percent going to like <laughs> end up being the same, but same with uh, just the casting all around really just bugged me. Cause I didn't like Martin Sheen either uh, as Hoover. It felt like such a like, okay, we should get a big star in here. And it's like, no, choose a guy who looks just like Hoover. <laughs> like, don't just put, you know the elusive man in makeup
0: I agree I think Jesse Plemons you know much love and respect to him he has a face where like number one it always screams comedy for me for some reason even like when he's not giving at all a comedic performance like he just feels out of place in these drama films for me but also he has that face where like I never can buy him as a character I'm always like oh there's Jesse Plemons like yep there he is like in anything yeah, he actually- does
2: I felt like I was insane thinking that, but yeah, that's exactly true. And it uh, was really interesting, especially with uh, next to Lakeith and um, Daniel, because they are arguably more famous at this point. And um, I, they lose themselves in those roles. I never, am like constantly just going, oh yeah, that's, you know, the guy from Get Out. But everything, Jesse Plemons is just like, yeah, he's... <laughs> The same guy and i think it's uh you know uh probably his agent's fault a little bit because it's the same he gets the same role you know guy who seems nice is creepy
0: (laughs) which i mean i don't blame jesse for like yeah if if someone offers you a role you know i'm never gonna feel like oh an actor should say no to a role like get that work but like yeah i agree it's probably it's the casting agent slash agent for him who's probably you know having him him audition for these yeah he's
2: starting to become one of those uh this is a Jesse Plemons type character (laughs) in all the casting calls. I kind of sit with this movie and I'm like, the story's powerful. Exactly what you guys were saying. I didn't know all of the details. I heard a lot about it, but, um, it was nice to see it, but it's a, it's a biopic and, um, I feel like a slightly stronger screenplay really could have done stuff, Uh, especially, I feel like the third act, um, which is the betrayal, you know, of the title, um, doesn't have you, you know, grip with the situation as much as it was. Um, It felt very like a through line. (laughs) This old man shows up and does a little speech on, uh poisoning and then (laughs) leaves and I was like okay um I feel like there needed to be more like I I guess that goes back to you know giving Lakeith something to do I just it felt that was supposed to be the strongest moment but we already knew what was going to happen um and it plays out like we don't Mm -hmm. I guess like the facts themselves are supposed to be surprising not that um the emotion of the film brings up um you know surprises
1: i think i figured out my problem with this movie um like i do enjoy it it's good to hear this story but truth and the black messiah it doesn't feel like it's a movie like for black folks it feels like this is a movie to educate white people about like what the black panther party actually was because when you're like black in America, black people are very good at organizing and are very good at knowing their own history. So a black person for the most part would already know everything that happens in this movie. It doesn't like give anything to them and it doesn't really like contribute anything to like black movements now. Like there are some parallels but there's no like call to action or whatever. It's just like, oh, Fred Hampton got assassinated. That makes me feel bad. At least I know the real story. And then a white person is just going to continue on with their day.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think what they could have done to make this more thematically rich in that sense is focusing on like Keith's uh, character after the fact where the like actual movie ends. Not to get into spoilers, but when I was referring to, like, the text at the end, the faith that his character writes, I found, or, like, finds, I found to be genuinely quite shocking and genuinely quite, like, wow. If you would have filmed that with an actor, Tula Keith's, like, you know, level of acne is fucking incredible. That could have ended the movie on a really poignant and, like, powerful note with some, like, thematically rich elements, at least more than it actually ends with.
2: Yeah, well, especially, like, I went right up on that. I don't know if you did. But, um, and this can be cut if we're uh, avoiding spoilers, but he doesn't like shoot himself. He jumps into traffic. Like it's brutal.
0: And there's like, Like, yeah. The the film definitely plays it as if like, it's, it's one thing and it definitely isn't like as, you know, but. Yeah.
2: Well, it's just, it's like, it was interesting reading about it. It was like, he was trying to kill himself the whole day and like they stopped him at one point. He got really drunk. He ran off, and jumped into traffic. Um, so it was like, you know, he was going through something versus just like, you know, there is uh, whenever you just read uh, something about suicide, it's always like, there's this, you know, visual that we've learned from movies, which is like someone alone in their office with a, you know, revolver,
0: drinking hand <laughs> on the TV yeah, glow exactly. in the dark room. <laughs> Drops, <Absolutely.
2: cracks. laughs>
1: you know what else I feel? I i don't know if this is just me, but like when the trial, trial of Chicago 7 came out in the fall, and Fred Hampson and Bobby seal and like some of the other Black Panthers are characters in that movie. And I don't know why, but to me, it kind of feels like it takes away from Judas and the Black Messiah. So I, I kind of wish that this movie had come out like either before Trial of the Chicago 7 or like a few years later. I don't know if that's
0: just me though. See, I find that funny because you know, again, much love to everyone who loves Trial of Chicago Seven. I don't think it's like a horrible movie. I think it's perfectly fine. But like I feel like continually every movie that comes out just takes away from Trial of Chicago Seven. Like this movie, yeah. I think takes away from I think the like I never think Trial of Chicago Seven is taking away from what I'm watching. It's always just, oh wow, that's so much better than Trial of Chicago Seven. You have this, you have multiple courtroom scenes, the small acts had a courtroom scene. I forget which other one we talked about recently, but just like mm-hmm. con. Boy took away, like everything takes away from Trial of Chicago Seven to where, like, that movie. I just, yeah, it's not good. I
1: just, I think in Trial of Chicago Seven, the people who play Bobby Seale and Fred Hampton were like stronger, even though they're in like smaller roles. That I kind of wish that, like, the Fred Hampton in Trial of Chicago Seven did Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm. So
2: that's, that's what I mean. I, see I mean. uh, I need to check out Trial of Chicago Seven. Um, it,
1: it's, it's fine, but like. It's... <laughs>
2: The okay, things I, that
1: like I can't remember the actor's name, so the things that like Bobby Sealant for him to do in that movie captivated me more than Judas and the Black Messiah.
0: This I is think uh, you're gonna be incredibly average on it. I don't think you're gonna hate it. I think it'll just be like very average. Um what's really
2: funny is, and I don't know why, I have not been able to figure it out. But if an Oscary movie comes out and it is like, through Netflix. It is pulling teeth for me to watch it. I have not watched that or Mank. Like, I think it's just the interface, the fact that I'm clicking through a bunch of crap to find your Oscar movie. It's just, <laughs> meanwhile, like HBO Max, I'm like, oh yeah, let's do it. First weekend. Well, you can't feel <laughs> fancy. Sure. Being in,
0: you can't feel fancy in LA going to like, it's only playing in LA and New York, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one thing that's really hitting me, though, is just, like, VOD in general. And, you know, HBO Max is a little bit better because it's only there for a short amount of time. But, like, damn, everything being VOD and everything being streaming service, I feel like every film I watch is just, like, instantly forgettable. I feel like it just goes into, like, the void of what I watch and there's no, like, experience of, like, oh, shit, I'm watching Little Women in theaters and, oh, my God, I'm crying and it's such an experience. It's always just, like, well, that was a movie. On to the next one. I um, I have two movies uh the father and nine
2: days are the only movies that like if you go what movies did you watch last year only two i can remember watching (laughs) everything else is just like oh yeah like i watched the most movies i've ever watched but like last year but you know they just so good
0: those nine days to be fair i I think they were fantastic so
2: curious about when the father comes out if it's going to have a resurgence because like my dad's a um member of ACE and he still hasn't gotten his like screener for it. And I don't know if like Sony's like playing it smart and saving it till the end, or if they're playing it really dumb and no one's going to like have time for it.
0: But like, Well, that's the thing. Everyone's like, all the critics are shitting on it because like, I didn't get it from my critics group yet. But like, we played for Golden Globes in time and like Golden Globes loved it. I think they're probably just doing a smart like focus strategy where they're going to throw it out the end. They're not going to not send out the father, you would think.
2: Yeah, and especially like uh, when we're talking about like best actor, I'm like, I don't (laughs) like older Oscar actors. I do not see not picking Hopkins. It's just it's such a good performance and it's such a like you know, career capper kind of <laughs> like, he's an older guy. Like I
0: will say he's uh, my clear winner this year, especially from people who are getting nominated.
2: Yeah. Uh, especially I think that um, Bozeman is going to uh, cancel himself out a little bit because I don't think people are going to pick both. And I think they're going to 50, 50 on uh, supporting versus lead. Well so reading
0: somewhere um, historically, and granted I didn't do this research, so if I'm getting this wrong, you know, tweet me about it, I guess. Um, that historically if someone gets both acting and supporting it, like in this situation, it tends to go to supporting. So I could
2: believe that too. And I think it people are gonna want to give something to defy bloods. Yeah. Um, which is <laughs> having a rough go of it recently. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's It's interesting the movies that are like kind of flaming out and I wasn't expecting it, Uh, uh, which actually going back to this, uh, what do you think uh, chances are for Judas?
0: I don't think we're talking any wins for Oscars. I like supporting, I think is the biggest nom it's going to get, but like, I think we're done talking about any wins for the movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's, a good thing this year that everything is so accessible but I think that's also hurting everything because rather than certain movies getting like hyped up everything is available so all the hype is just kind of like spread out and there's nothing like there's no like front runners it feels like this year
2: Mm. yeah I could not
1: tell you anything that I think is for sure going to win and the other thing with that is I don't care about anything (laughs) there's so much
0: it doesn't feel like an oscar season it's still like has not like normally it's really exciting like i love oscar season it doesn't feel like that at all and uh, but the conversation is weird it's just not evolving like the conversation is like exactly the same for best picture at least since it's been since like september where it's like oh trial chicago 7 probably will win it but like nomad land's also there and like that's it it hasn't evolved yeah and <laughs>
2: And that's such a weird. You know how I feel about Nomad land
0: uh, <laughs> Well, we don't need to get into it today.
1: We're <laughs> doing Land in a few weeks. If you want to come back,
2: <laughs> I uh, I would love to. <laughs> where we'll talk about shitting in buckets for three hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um.
2: Actually, I should rewatch it though, um, since I did not finish it. <laughs> Yes, I did quit at that scene. You know, I was like, I don't need this in my life. <laughs> I think
1: it's worth finishing.
0: I, I I'm it. sure it is. It was my favorite film, so uh, you know I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna comment here. <laughs> I, um,
2: maybe it'll be a revelation for me. Um,
0: You're gonna hate it. What are you? <laughs>
2: I at well, least you're it's not so funny
0: stupid like most of film twitter. Like I, I as long as you can articulate why you think something I don't care what you think but most film twitter just can't. But at least you're smart so you know. <laughs> yeah, well that's that's one of my
2: uh that's one of the things I'm kind of getting frustrated with um and uh I Guess, do a wrap up and then we could talk about WandaVision because we all watched it. <laughs> I was gonna say, Oh, god, <laughs> seeing the constant love for WandaVision, I'm like, Am I insane?
1: Same, like, like and- I like the MCU and I feel like, Same, why am I not like all the other MCU people right now? I wish I liked it anyway. We're not talking about it.
2: Uh, the Oscar wrap up with uh Black Messiah because, um, I do think. I will be interested to see what happens with the Academy this year because they're, although they're different topics, we've never had so many like prominent black films all at once. And I'm interested to see how the Oscars handle it. I could not tell you.
0: And women directors. Um, Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, But, you know, (laughs) we could really see some like huge shocks. Um, that things are left out because people are like, okay, I'll pick this film, but not this one because you know,
0: I don't know how much They're of it is like at- really shocks so, because I feel like like not to you know be too anti-film Twitter and not to be gatekeeping at all if you want to get into the Oscar season great I've never in my life and I've talked to multiple people like who follow the award season about this like legitimate names I've never seen so many people like try to start to cover the awards race with there's just no idea how it works so I feel like we're the majority of voices online has this preconceived notion of how it's going to go that's like not with reality so then it's going to be a shock because oh that's not how it works like i don't know how much this is truly going to be shocking like i will be surprising on twitter i guarantee you oscar nomination oscar night people are going to be amazed but i don't know how much of that is actually justified
2: yeah what will also be interesting um not being able to have conversations with people post movie Mm. i feel like people are going to like um someone was talking about the letterboxed um effect that if you go to a movie and it has a really high rating you don't want to rate it low like you don't want to be contrary you could be contrarian about a bad movie and like it and that's fine like people are like oh you just have different tastes but if you dislike a good film it's such like a a rude thing Mm -hmm. especially when you're like scrolling through people you follow and all of a sudden there's like one one star um which yeah. i love doing and it's always uh, you yeah
0: it's always you on my <laughs> the godfather two stars godfather yeah. two two stars we don't need to get into the godfather conversation because i'm in the trenches there uh, with you on that one
1: but um,
0: oh come on alina
1: i know i've been just like uh i've been no I, I i need to sit and find the time to watch them but the other thing is like oh, i mean, shit, i have to watch everything for the podcast i'm nearly oh, shit, 30 I to catch and i just up on watched them stuff i'll get it to it eventually maybe yeah.
2: <laughs> i mean you're not missing Oscar. much the, i knew exactly the movie i was getting into when i started it and i was like maybe i'll be surprised like um the english patient which i really loved and then no i do like but, on the um, same day
0: we watched you watched that i watched cars two, and then you sent like oh why are they randomly in italy or whatever and i was like yeah similar like very similar thought i had when watching cars two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. godfather
2: it was so funny um Yeah, but uh, going back to what you were just saying, um, I'll be interested to see like, because I think um, there are movies that I could see almost canceling each other out a little bit. Um, Like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom versus um, One Night in Miami, which feel they're completely different films, but they feel similar because they're both based on the stage play Mm -hmm. or based on stage plays. And I'll be interested to see which if they're both able to get in or if one takes over the other. because um, I found them both equally middling. Um, but uh, it'll just be interesting. Um, is this Warner's big push? Uh Juice and this, the Black Sire or do they have something else?
0: This and the drops tenant
2: little things which will probably
0: Jared Leto I think support. Jared Leto probably will happen at this point it's
1: not fucking psychotic I hate that so much like he's already <laughs> won an Oscar he doesn't need another one especially a lot
0: of buzz that he might be winning a second one this
1: That's year what I'm saying. like the, he's like psycho cult leader what do you mean
0: he there oh needs God. to be a full on investigation of how many people in the academy are in his cult because it shouldn't right. be allowed <laughs> to be crossover like I'm convinced his cult has infiltrated Hollywood i uh
1: jared leto's cult the new illuminati (laughs) pretty here first
2: (laughs) although there is nothing funnier i laughed for a full minute when jared leto's joker said we live in a society (laughs) i almost
0: almost cried
2: (laughs) yes Uh, he's like he looks at batman and he's like we live in a society. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I got it because Kyle Gaffney posted in our group chat. And I was like, oh, that's a funny joke. Right. I'm not. I didn't watch the trailer. And then I saw like more people. I was like, oh, my God, it's real. Yeah. You haven't watched the trailer yet? No, no. I didn't. Okay. I didn't so I you don't understand how much I'm dreading this film. I, no I like,
1: don't give a shit about DC at all. Anyway, the last thing I want to say about Judas and the Black Messiah is doesn't have anything to do with the movie but I saw on Twitter the other day that there is a GoFundMe called um, Save the Hampton House. And I think you should all donate to it, especially white people who watch this movie. And it's basically like a GoFundMe to buy Fred Hampton's childhood home. And they're going to turn it into a museum for like the Black Panther movement. And I think that's like something very good and like special because it's a really good way to take back. The narrative surrounding, like the Black Panthers and whatnot, and they have three hundred thirty thousand of their three hundred fifty thousand dollar goal. So, you you know what? Send they me the link. I'll put the, it
0: in the description.
1: Yeah, yeah I will. They so should you can find the link to that in the description the, below. Yeah, you should. They should have taken some of the movie budget and fucking finished their GoFundMe. Was this movie worth twenty six million dollars? I don't know.
0: This costed 26 million dollars.
1: Yeah, I just looked it oh, up.
0: Shit.
1: <laughs> they could have put twenty thousand on the fucking GoFundMe.
2: <laughs> and all of that went to uh Michael Sheen's
0: makeup budget. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's the case anyway. now with like any film though. It's like, oh Robert Donnie Jr. Yeah. here gets like millions for each appearance. It's like, well, he doesn't need more money. Just donate that shit.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So that is my final point about Judas and the Black side is you should donate to this GoFundMe.
0: And to round out ClapperCast, we like to end on the crew's latest film recommendations. I might as well start us off this week. Uh, I'm going to recommend a small film called The Sleeping Negro for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think this film is fantastic. An expertly crafted film uh, analyzing the Black experience in America today and the Black soul. Whereas a white individual, I cannot speak on the authenticity of this experience being present in the film. Uh, The movie comes off incredibly deep, incredibly layered, really, really well crafted. It has a lot going on, so don't let this comparison like fully fool you. I think in some ways it's doing what The Last Black Man in San Francisco wanted to do, but better. And I'm saying that as someone who really liked The Last Black Man in San Francisco. But the main reason I'm recommending this is because this film and a lot of others are currently available through the Slam Dance Film Festival. Um, I know everyone wants to attend film festivals now, um, and I know, granted, this one doesn't have the big names. You know, you're not going to recognize most of the directors, most of the actors. Um, you're not going to have these big pickups that you know you're going to see from Netflix and everything. But if you want to attend a film festival for the next week, this is completely online full passes for unlimited films. You can see all the films and there's a shit ton of narrative films, shit ton of documentary features, shit ton of short films. It's only $10. So it's streaming for, I believe the next week, I think it ends February 25th. Um, So if you're listening to this in advance, you know, you really missed the ball on this one. Um, It was free passes, but now it's only $10 Um, and a little challenge to film Twitter and everyone who "Ah, I'm following festivals and I'm fucking supporting film. Um, you can't really say like you you are supporting film and fully following film when you only care about the big titles with the big names, directing the big names, acting. Um, you know, I, I think it's even worse when you are credited for a major film festival and you only cover the big films from it. Uh, but this is a great choice, like great chance to see some diverse voices, diverse films. A lot of them are not that good. A lot of them are really good though. Um, I've only kind of started to go through the collection on this festival. Um, so if you are interested in attending a festival, you want to do this. You don't need to apply for press. You don't need to pay a shit ton of money. Pay $10, see good films. That's less than a normal movie ticket. So like, just do it if you want to attend a festival. Um, support these voices. So that'd be my recommendation this week. Paul, why don't you give us your recommendation?
2: Um, I'm going to go with, and I don't know if you guys have mentioned it before, uh, Shithouse, I think was, um, it was the last movie I watched of last year. Uh, but I just went through my letterbox and I was like, ah, there's a couple movies that's so like, oh, that was fun. But Shithouse, I think, was actually great. Um, it, especially if you like To All the Boys I Loved Before, it's the slightly more realistic, um, kind of darker, it's a brand new, uh, writer-director, um, who is, like, I think just out of college. He's so young, he's like 23. Um, but it's just a very fun, like, true to life feels very mumblecore indie but not in a way that I dislike which is it's usually my least favorite genre I think the dialogue is really natural I have a couple issues but for the most part I think it was really fun you should check out shithouse
0: that's a really good film I know Rory who's also on the podcast and writes for clapper loved that film and I also really enjoyed it um Alina what are your recommendation for this week
1: my recommendation is this little movie called Banana Split. Uh, I've never heard of it before and I kind of just like stumbled upon it the other night on Netflix because I wanted to watch something like teen, this is before To All the Boys come out yet, like the third one. So I just like needed my fix until, um, so I was looking at like the teen rom-com comedies things that I hadn't seen before and I found this. And it has Dylan Sprouse in it and he's the only person like I recognize. And it's like, co-written by a girl named hannah marks and she stars as like the girl in it so there are certain scenes that are very abrupt but basically the plot of the movie is um this girl april who's played by hannah marks she is like friends with dylan sprouse and like some other guy and then dylan sprouse and like hannah marks oh shit what are their names in the movie whatever so uh they start like a relationship and they date for like two years and then they break up And then like the movie starts, like actually, and Dylan Sprouse starts dating like another girl uh, who I think is named Clara. So yeah, there's April, Clara, and then Dylan Sprouse is Nick. And so April and Clara happen to become friends and they hide it from Nick. And then they have all these rules um, where they're not allowed to talk about like, Clara and Nick's relationship and they're not supposed to they're basically can't talk about Nick period but they become really good friends and it's just like a really sweet like charming little movie on female friendship and it doesn't really it's not like there's nothing like huge riding on it but it's just really nice to see like female teenage relationships on screen um because it's like very it's such like a thing that like teenage girls all hate each other and it's just nice to see I don't know just female friendship and like that's all it's about and it's it's just really cute so if you want just like a movie with that you don't have to like think about you just like sit and enjoy it it's only 88 minutes it's it's worth checking out because it's a very sweet rendition of female friendship
0: Surprise! you didn't recommend the hockey movie that you were talking about earlier this week oh um <laughs> terrible <laughs> Uh, that's going to be it for this week's episode of Clappercast. Where can we find everyone on social media or on the internet? Alina? Uh,
1: I'm at Alina Falds on Letterboxd and Twitter.
0: Paul?
2: At Price Like Tag on Letterboxd and Twitter.
0: And You can find me at BP underscore movie reviews on Twitter or just on Letterboxd Carson Tamar and you can find all the latest releases of film and television reviewed at www.clapperltd.co.uk and find our social links on Clapper at Facebook Clapper Ltd on Letterboxd and at Clapper Ltd on Twitter gotta make sure you get that at in there you wouldn't understand otherwise. Make sure to rate, subscribe and follow us to be notified when the next episode releases every single Wednesday and thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema.